Welcome to the Art Studio. If you're ever listening to the Art Studio and it sounds like the recording has gone wrong, let's say like I'm talking about ice cream and all of a sudden it flips and I'm talking about shoes and you're thinking, wait a minute, something got cut out there. It may be a problem with my recording device. I have done some recordings and my recorder just might be getting old and uh, might be cutting out moments. The last recording I did, the whole beginning of it got cut out. <laughs> so that was really unusual, and I had to go back and record the beginning of it so it made sense. But anyway, I thought I'd mention that to listeners to the art studio. If you hear something funky, please email me and say, Dan, show number, whatever, seems to have a glitch. And if you could, you know, tell me, you know, approximately just say it's halfway through or the beginning, that would help me narrow it down because <laughs> I don't listen to the full shows all the time in order to check them. I record them, upload them and move on with my life. And I did not know that the recorder was not successfully recording all the shows. Yesterday was day one of the Mr. Olympia. I've been following bodybuilding since I was a young person and always fascinated by bodybuilding and what it takes to get in that kind of condition and uh, just a fantastic, fantastic show. There's a guy there named Kevin Levrone that came back after I think it was 13 years of not competing. He's 52 now and he came back to compete and he was not physically as good as his younger self, which is to be expected, but he was looking really good. And there were guys there, his age actually, that looked really good. They didn't uh, but mention it just for a second, but there was other old fellows lurking around there who looked great. Why is it some people are able to keep up something like this and some people can't? Well, there's injury, luck, timing, what the real reasons that got them in the game in the first place were. It seems that the people who have the longevity really love it. And they've gotten lucky to be healthy. And they've taken advantage of this luck. Because they really, really like what they're doing. They didn't perhaps get into it for a different reason and then it didn't work out. They got into it for that reason, and it worked out. I have a point to this, and I'll get right to it. I think that enthusiasm, really enjoying something, can make the difference between achieving a lot in that thing or not. Now, you're saying that's the most obvious damn thing, but I want to put it in context I listen to all sorts of people on the internet, all sorts. I must have a revolving list of 200 people that if they make a video or do a podcast or do a thing, I will listen to them. For example, Jason Brubaker is a comic book maker. Probably many of you listening to this know who he is. And he's done this series over this past month called Pitch Timber where he goes up and allows a person a minute to pitch their comic book, what they're doing, what their trip is. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating to see these people. Now, most of them 
are, I would say, hmm, in their 30s, maybe older. And I would say most of them are what you and I would consider successful. So uh, worth watching Pitch Timber over on Jason Brubaker's YouTube channel. Another thing I noticed that all of them have very much a non-traditional sort of cartoony style, the big heads, the big eyes kind of idea. Uh, nothing so advanced that most, most people couldn't draw it. I have to, you know, I'm not putting them down by saying that. In other words, you practice for a few years, I think you could do that. That should give people a lot of hope. Uh, so whatever your weird, wacky style might be, I think there's a place for it. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with how much you love it and your enthusiasm. When I was young, I had a lot more enthusiasm for all sorts of things. Uh, really, really did. And I suppose it's hormones that really are the change. My hormones are different, not driving me to this or that or ambition. And so I'm much more chilled about everything at this juncture. I follow certain young people online. And what I really like about them is the ones I follow anyway are filled with boundless enthusiasm, incredible production, uh, just just mind-boggling uh, ability to keep producing art day after day, and different styles, uh, but all of them, I would say, are good, uh, but different than, you know, perhaps I would uh, do myself. But most of their styles, I couldn't approximate them. I mean, I could fake it, but I couldn't do it. Uh, they, they're so fluid at what they do. One girl in particular does these paintings every day, and she can knock out a painting in like 30 minutes to an hour. And they're really good. <laughs> I mean, they're really good. And uh, I couldn't approximate that. Her handling of color theory and line and is really, really excellent. I could see her going on to be a great master. But anyway, her in particular now, her enthusiasm is really incredible. And listening to her talk over the last so many videos I've listened to, you know, maybe over six, seven months, like all people, she's involved in a state of evolution. She's trying to figure things out. She's learning things. She's changing things up. She's trying this. She's trying that. She goes through periods of success, periods of needing money, <laughs> if you want to put success in the terms of money, and so on. But her incredible enthusiasm in production is, uh, is pretty neat. Now, you might just write it off and say, well, you know, she's not Bern Hogarth. And that's true, but, you know, I would assume that Bern Hogarth was a workaholic as well, to be able to draw that well. So looking at her uh, devote herself and how much she loves her art and how much she physically produces on a daily basis is really mind-boggling. It, it puts a lot of stuff in context. It's like going to an animation studio and watching how many hundreds of drawings one of these animators might draw a day. 
and realizing that, wow, you know, spitting out a drawing every 30 seconds, that's actually possible. There's people who draw on all kinds of levels. So enthusiasm allows you to stay in, you know, your sport, your thing you love longer because you love it so much. And maybe if you get luck and health, you can stay in that thing and keep doing it. So enthusiasm, uh, the, the joy of actually doing the thing can really, again, make the difference between producing and not producing, but obviously, but it, it, it can, uh, the act itself seems to have an effect on the person. Uh, it's kind of like if you were fat and you got thin and you took all that time to diet and get in shape. That journey itself seems to have a certain effect on a person. So I think giving yourself over to your enthusiasms and then diligently going after them has a certain effect on you. And one of the great effects is it makes your art a whole lot better. It really, really does. So I think the the, the daily making of tons of art <laughs> has a profound effect on your art. Now, most of us have to work a job, you know, survive, go to the supermarket, so it's hard to find time to do all of that. But I think that even if we could set aside a certain period of time, let's say whatever that time might be, like a month, a week, a couple months, uh, a couple weekends for a few months in a row, like taking a class, if you can somehow immerse yourself in the thing and really get your mind on it and then do it for a period of days, I think it can have a big impact on you the way like going to maybe like going to a Tony Robbins seminar does. I think there's something from the the, uh, sheer act of doing it that sort of builds a muscle inside us that allows us to perhaps do more of it, do other things, or tap into a sense of joy and or energy that we didn't really know we had. And the hard step, though, is doing it. You know, it's hard to get down and do it. It's hard to uh, immerse ourselves. But I think once we get our head in there, I think there's certain things that can happen uh, that allow us to be highly productive. And I have one more way of looking at this, thinking about this, besides just young people being highly enthusiastic because their hormone levels are so high, (laughs) is that... uh, You can actually do this to yourself in a sort of brainwashing sense. You know, if you can keep your mind on a topic, you know, read about it first thing in the morning, read about it last thing at night, focus on it at some point once or twice every day in a profound manner. I mean, really think about it. You can sort of lay down the tracks and ingrain yourself in this activity. So if you're always thinking about volleyball or having a baby or traveling, And you just keep focusing on, I want to travel, I want to have a baby, or whatever it is. Eventually, you will manifest this thing for yourself because you will create a plan to make it happen. But you have to keep it foremost in your thoughts in order to keep the enthusiasm going, or the plan to keep building and constructing itself, reconstructing itself, and keep moving forward on that thing. So you have to keep it uppermost in your mind and always focused on it 
in order to quote unquote stay on track with it. You can't deviate off. You can't start thinking about other things. When I was young, when I needed to do certain athletic things, I would brainwash myself and immerse myself in the endeavor. So in other words, if I was losing weight, let's say, I would read about losing weight. I would read stories about people who lost weight successfully. I would watch shows about people who successfully lost weight. Every morning, I would read something that inspired me, you know, about losing weight or informed me. At night, I would read something that either inspired me or informed me about, you know, taught me about losing weight. And I kept building my knowledge then about carbohydrates and all kinds of things. So I won't bore you. But by moving forward intellectually and keeping it foremost in my mind, you know, through learning and just repetition, I was able to make the endeavor uh, a lot easier, a lot more successful, and attain a much higher level of performance in it. And I used to call this brainwashing, where I would put the thing in my mind so strongly for a period of months or weeks that it would consume my imagination and keep me on that track and moving forward on that thing. And you, you literally force yourself then to become immersed in something. You know, it's like having a baby. That baby will take over your life whether you want it to or not. You'll be immersed in taking care of that baby. And so this is the kind of thing then you would do by choice. You would create yourself your own baby, your own project, your own thing, and then you would completely immerse yourself in it all the time. It would be on your mind and your thoughts and your spare time. The act of doing that changes you into a person who can do that thing better. Maybe it's through sheer repetition, you know, neurological tracks are laid down in your mind better. Who knows what the hell it is? But I totally believe it works. And I think this has some correlation between young people's enthusiasm. Young people don't know a lot about the world. They only know what they know. And they also tend to focus on things, especially when they learn something new. Like, whoa, man, I learned this new cool thing. And and they're really hot on that new subject idea because it's new and it's exciting and it excites their brain. So young people have the ability to become highly excited about projects and things and stuff because it's new and exciting oftentimes and really, you know, makes them emotionally feel like, wow, imagine getting that emotional wow feeling all the time. How, how strong and how addictive and how positive that would be for you in some respects. So if doing your thing, whatever that might be, learning piano, drawing a book or whatever, would make you feel always enthusiastically happy and ecstatic, you'd want to repeat that over and over and over again. So I think that having an enthusiastic wow, this is cool, gee whiz attitude towards your art and your projects in a very, uh, how can I put it? I don't want to say childlike, but in a childlike sense where you still have that sense of wonder about the damn thing. I think that really can lend itself to making you happier about doing the project and more productive. You know, if you focus only on money and man, I got to make money off this thing. I need money. 
and people always say, well, it saps the joy out of things. Well, that's because you're literally focusing on the money part of it. And not saying that money can't be a thing to focus on and can be your scorecard, but I'm talking about something different here. I'm, I'm talking about trying to force yourself and a force of will to buckle down and become a better artist or a better fill in the blank. Whatever you focus on, immerse yourself in, will eventually create enthusiasm about it. Your brain will lay down plans and tracks and ideas on how to do it. Conversely, if you focus on negative things or things that uh, you know consume your thoughts like worry, then you find your brain and mind focusing on that. And that may lead you to a cycle of frustration or unhappiness, depression kind of idea. I know this is kind of heady thoughts for the art studio, but I really believe this is true. Now, it doesn't mean we can't, in an enthusiastic way, lay a bunch of uh, stuff on our shoulders and expectations that actually crush us underneath our own expectations. But that's not what I'm talking about, even though what I'm talking about can lead to that. Because having unreal expectations can create all kinds of enthusiasm and effort but can eventually leave you disappointed because you don't get what you wanted. Or your expected result doesn't happen. And maybe that's another thing is about this expected result. Maybe we can build up enthusiasm and a lot of effort towards, an un, towards a result that doesn't happen. Like let's say you were going to do a yearly Kickstarter book, as many people seem to do. So you work so hard and you get all the things ready for the Kickstarter and it's just not successful. Well, that could crush you because the expectation of having that as a success could make you go, oh, I'm, I'm not a success, I'm a failure. When actually you were a success, you literally produced the thing, <laughs> you did it. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was to Kickstarter it and to sell it. Somehow then you were able to take you know, the goal of having a Kickstarter and turn that into months, if not years of enthusiasm over a project. So it can be done. You can actually have enthusiasm for the wrong reasons that could lead you to your own destruction or at least a disappointing result. I don't know if it's entirely impossible to avoid that because one of the things that we do as we make something is we have expectations on what it will do after we make it. People will see it, read it, love it, you know, publishers will publish it and so on and so forth. And perhaps by not having an expectation met, something that we've conjured up in our own mind that we feel should happen, can then cause you to become de-incentivized. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, what's the point? If that has happened, and it does happen, you have to go back and refocus on something else. Like, it may be that the Kickstarter for your book was not successful, but there should be great enthusiasm and love and a feeling of pride from actually creating the thing. And if the actual act of creating the thing caused you pleasure, in other words, it wasn't some horrible grind to make your book, you really enjoyed every panel, every word you wrote, every page you inked and colored, if that was actually a fun process, then you would be happy the whole time that you made the thing and that 
Perhaps you weren't happy that your Kickstarter didn't make it, but you could still be ecstatically happy about the process, your achievement, and how much you've grown as an artist doing the thing. So you have to go back and sort of reevaluate your reasons for doing something and continuing to do that and trying to make yourself happy about it. Now, I'm not talking about a stupid happiness. I'm talking about a genuine appreciation of yourself and for what you have done for yourself. You know, pat yourself on the back and say, hey, you know, I was able to do this and I, re- and I really enjoyed it. But let's say you're able to do it, but you didn't enjoy it. Well, you got to back up even further and find a reason to make that thing enjoyable. I guess the main point of it is I'm trying to get away from having to turn your life into a grind. There's a way to approach your life where doing what we would call hard things is not a grind. It actually becomes fun to work hard at those things uh, because it uh, gives you a sense of self-fulfillment. And so one of the ways to get yourself to focus on something in order to have this sense of self-fulfillment is to force yourself to do something. I mean, really force yourself to do it, but once you're in the act of doing it, it will sort of be like a self-perpetuating thing. You'll be able to do more of it because you are doing it. I hope that makes sense because I really believe it to be true. I see a lot of people who are stuck not being able to move forward with so many things they want to move forward with, but they generally then just complain and bitch about how they're not moving forward. And so basically they focus daily on the fact that they are thwarted from moving forward. Their their daily focus is a sense of frustration and other feelings because they're not getting what they want. And if that's the thing you focus on, then you're not getting what you want and you're focusing on it. That becomes your life. And I don't, I don't think living in a state of constant disappointment or dissatisfaction is the way to live. Even though being dissatisfied and being disappointed can be an intense motivator to move you forward, to change, to do other things. You know, if you're really pissed off at the job you have now, it can be a great motivator to go get another job. But I think in the long run, Negative motivators aren't really a good thing and don't lead to this sense of joy and fulfillment I've talked about, even though I think, I hate to say it, it can lead to a sense of fulfillment. You can say like, ah, you told me I couldn't do this, but now I'm doing it. Ha ha, see, see, I'm doing it. And there's a sense of satisfaction, I suppose, in showing others that you've done it. But I think that might be a false confidence. And the fact that you have to actually show people what you're doing, even though it's totally normal, isn't a true sense of confidence. You should more love the thing because you love it and not because you want other people to think you're so cool because you love it or because you're doing it. Again, I hope that makes sense. I think you should do things for your reasons in a deeply personal way that truly make you happy or satisfied. And by slowly or not so slowly brainwashing yourself into an endeavor, you will find this happiness and satisfaction inside that thing. Uh, 
and I think that has to do uh, with replenishing your enthusiasm and your joy of doing the thing. I've been trying to reevaluate my reasons for doing what I do. You know, what makes me happy? What project makes me happy? What end result of that project would make me happy? What am I after? In a weird way, I've been able to make myself happy. And that includes, uh, I'm talking about doing my art. And that includes doing, you know, client projects that are completely ridiculous. Because I'm really in love with the skill and the act of doing it. I'm a little bored with the technical ability, but not quite yet. I'm still kind of really jazzed by the way that you can create, you know, out of a two-dimensional drawing, something that looks three-dimensional. I love black and white. I love drawing figures and things and stuff. And so the technical act of it, the actual moment I'm, you know, laying down lines and pencil lines is actually still very exciting. I have a lot of enthusiasm for that and I like it. And I like patting myself on the back after I draw something technically well and go, wow, you've really done that. So still getting a sense of achievement on that. And that's the joy I'm trying to tap into and the feeling I'm trying to put in my mind all the time so that whenever I sit down and draw and create, it becomes something really fun for me and not something that's grinding on me. So that's what I've been doing. I'm trying to tap into that feeling of joy in creating, uh, which I am tapped into, but focusing on it, let's say, and not focusing on the other things that I might want my art to achieve for me uh, that have left me, quite frankly, frustrated and de-incentivized. <laughs> but I don't want to focus on those things. I, I, I want to unfocus on them, even though it might be unrealistic to not focus on them, because I don't think they're going to help me be happy make more art and get what I want, which eventually what I want is I want to make a lot more cool art before I'm done making art. That's what I want to do. And irregardless of whether I become famous or sell anything, I want to do it for me. And so because that is, you know, a real thing I want, I'm going to try to tap into my sense of joy and and so on with it and happiness and find a way that I can be happy doing that. So I might make another 50 beautiful drawings and none of you will ever see them. And very few people might see them. But the act of creating them made me really happy. That's what I'm after because I think there's nothing more to seek out of it. You know, I've I've been around the track and around the track and, you know, especially watching the people uh, do their pitches on Pitch Timber on Jason Brubaker's YouTube channel, I find that I have no enthusiasm to be huckstering my book to a publisher or anything. Because let's say a publisher picked it up. Now it's being published. Well, there's no doubt I'd have a sense of satisfaction from it. But it wouldn't intrinsically alter my life. I mean, even if it's, say, you know, put more money in my pocket, I'd have more money, but my life would pretty much be the same, if that makes sense. So the only way to really get happy then for me or happier or to, you know, tap into this is, is to make a decision about it and how I'm going to structure my life to make myself happy in the doing of it. I know that probably doesn't make much sense, but I can either turn it into a grind or not. And I, I, I don't want to. So 
I think there's a way for me to find that enthusiasm by tapping into a different thing inside my brain. Because I see young people who are able to tap into great reserves of enthusiasm for projects and things they want to do and places they want to go and stuff. Because it's very exciting and stimulating for them and it really jazzes them. And like this one girl I'm looking at, she's making a 350-page graphic novel and she's so excited. If I told you that you had to draw a 350-page graphic novel, would you be excited? Would you be like, man, I can't wait to get on that thing to tomorrow? Or you, you, or would you be like, oh no, 350-page graphic novel. How long is that son of a bitch going to take? <laughs> would, you, would you be thinking like that? Or would you be like, yeah, I can't wait. So if you do get a 350-page novel to create, you've got to find a way to tap into your enthusiasm to make yourself happy about it. Otherwise, that's going to be an incredible grind. That's sort of the ideas I've been talking about today in uh, probably a not-too-certain way. I tried. I really tried to discuss it in a concrete way that made sense and that we could apply to our lives. I don't know if I succeeded, but I did try. Anyway, talking about enthusiasm, projects, happiness, and how to, uh, you know, sort of brainwash yourself into doing things and being happy about it. (laughs) I'm not even saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's totally possible. And I think we can tilt our mind one way or another in order to make ourselves happy. Uh, as we approach these crazy projects that we want to do that are often, you know, frustrating. I guess that's one way to put it very simply. These projects can often be frustrating. You know, we always don't get things to go exactly the way we want them. But how we approach that adventure can mean the big difference. You know, watching the Mr. Olympia yesterday, the guy who came back at 52 years old was really happy to be there, and he was really having a good time. So even though he was not the best built and he was obviously not going to win, I think he may have been the guy who was having the most fun at the event. And that is something in itself. He was highly appreciative of being there and highly appreciative of his health and the ability to actually go there and do the thing and go to Las Vegas and experience the event. I think he was having a really good time. Now, in contrast to this, the guy who's the world champion, who has won it six times in a row, he comes in tense, uh, worried, and sort of apprehensive. So you can see that he's extremely worried about losing. And so that his incentive is not to lose which is sort of like a different incentive than just to come and have fun or, to, or even to come and to win, even though I think he's definitely there to win. He's, he's more defending his crown than he is taking a crown. And I think there's a different mental uh, thing in that. You know, I think defending is, is more of you know, an unhappy posture while you know, climbing the ladder step by step with great enthusiasm and excitement is a much more happy adventure. Anyway, it was interesting to note that the guy that seemed to be in the worst shape and the oldest, he had the most fun, and the guy who was young and strong and the most built, who was definitely going to win Mr. Olympia again, he seemed to be the most pensive guy 
not having as much fun as the others. <laughs> so, and he was definitely the best built. So he definitely had enough enthusiasm to be, you know, very, very built. But was the journey all that much fun for him? That's something to be considered. If if you're on top, but it's a negative experience, is that really something you want to repeat over and over again? Something to be considered. Have a great day in your art studios. Carry on, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.